0: I mean, you you put me on the spot. I have never been put in a
1: position like that. Mm. So you, mean, why are you making it tough for me? <laughs> that was good, man. That was good.
2: <laughs> As you can see by my wall, uh, I hadn't started watching basketball yet um, during your tenure in Toronto. So <laughs> unfortun- unfortunately, no number 14 jersey back there, but I, I, I do have this.
1: Okay, okay. All right. That sounds good. That sounds good. You got all my... My guy's yeah. hanging up, so that's that's that served as well.
2: <laughs> I didn't realize you're the only professional athlete to have a basketball, baseball, and football card. <laughs> I didn't know about the football. Yeah. Oh, you've never seen it?
1: I haven't seen the football card. But
2: yeah. Apparently, you used to play for the Green Bay Packers. Ah. Oh, I did see that. Somebody, I did see that. I don't know how they
1: created that one.
2: I was baffled. I was like, "Wow, you have all these, um, you know, dual sport athletes, but wow, you've never seen a triple sport athlete. Must it really is something else." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I actually put. I don't know how that my face got on that Green Bay Packers jersey, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> are are you, are you a Packers fan at all? Uh, I mean, I like Aaron Rodgers. Actually, I like Brett Favre back in the day too. Shannon mm. Sharp, all those guys. So Sterling Sharp, I should say, um, back in the day. But you know, it's Green Bay, I enjoy watching. You know, I love good teams. And back then, Mm. they had good teams as well as they did this year. For sure. For
2: sure. Muggsy, it's it's an honor uh, to be with you here today. You know, I'm inspired by you and your story. And I believe that everyone's stories are defined by the people in their lives. So my first question for you is, uh, who is Leon Howard and what does he mean to you?
1: Uh, Mr. Howard. Leon Howard, he means everything to me. He was my childhood coach. Uh, he was the one that taught me everything about the game of basketball uh, as a kid growing up in the inner city of Baltimore, uh, not having uh, the direction. Uh, he is a man that had a, a vision beyond what we had, you know, in terms of coming in to, to impact the youth, uh, giving us a a, a, a dream uh, to think of that we could be somewhere other than where we was where we were. So. You know, Mr. Howell, he's, he's such a mentor to me, always been such a, like a father figure. Um, so we're so thankful to have him, you know, myself, the Reggie, the Reggie Williams, um, you know, growing up. In, and we're just so thankful to have him because he was the one that made us believe that anything was possible. This man instilled some knowledge in me
2: that changed everything. Eddie recently got a street named after him, yeah?
1: Yes, he did. And we went up there to uh, celebrate that. They give him his roses while he's here. And uh, that's what I'm so grateful and thankful for, that we was able to, to be part of his celebration.
2: Of course. It's always, it's always important to, you know, to quote Kanye West. You can never uh, get the flowers while you can still smell them, right? So it's always important to, to give, give those roses, just like I'm yeah. trying, to, trying to do here with you um obviously growing up in baltimore you know you had a difficult upbringing so uh what was more difficult uh dribbling the basketball in one hand with a trash can in the other or practicing with bricks and sandbags well
1: they both were challenging (laughs) they both were (laughs) challenging um you know trying to grow up in the inner city and pursue a game that you know, not many people thought that you should be, you know, pursuing. You know, at my size and being laughed upon, being joked at, um, not taken serious. Um, but then having the opportunity to really uh, get some information and learn it, and then have the ability now start to really work and practice on uh, on my game. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Uh, on my game to the point to where I would now had to train with bricks. and and sandbags on your back to where now you've come so far in your game to where you looked upon as you now, you know, you consider good and people now trying to really um, bring your game to another level. So um, it was a challenge, man. It was just such a, 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 you know, a, a fight, just trying to pursue your dreams, you know, trying to pursue any type of hobby at that time, but then, you know, making it through and navigating yourself through all that nonsense in terms of the lifestyle that I was living at the time was uh, was something overwhelming.
2: Absolutely, yeah. You defied all the odds because, like you were saying, you know, you're someone you you, you weren't supposed to be where where you're at. Um, I feel like you're the epitome of don't judge a book by its cover. Like you were saying, you know, common first reaction. You know, your early opponents they'd be stunned and like you know they start laughing. You know, at least until the ball hit the ground. Then it was that was a different story, right? Um, In terms of pre-NBA popularity, did you get asked for more pictures and autographs playing for arguably the greatest high school basketball team of all time or the last gold medal winning U.S. national basketball team to only have college players?
1: Well, you know, at the beginning, that's, you know, Dunbar was the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people were still inquisitive of a little guy playing the game. And, you know, they was excited. Of course, I was on one of the greatest teams at the time, one of the best teams. So people was in awe and they wanted your pictures, they wanted your autographs, um, still, they were still in belief. Um, so that happened quite a bit. We was traveling, you know, I wasn't traveling in the circle that I was once I got to the gold medals uh, side of it. But, you know, the circles that I was traveling early on, you know, I was asked upon sign autograph, take pictures quite a bit. But, you know, once you reach a certain status and, you know, by the time I got to that gold medal, uh, game and over there you know I was well known um I was uh considered one of the best uh in, in, in college so um I had some people knew of me but not many not over in that country so then of course to began again you know seeing a guy my size play against which was considered you know pro players over there you know in the U.S. in, in the Olympics you know college players playing against them so um I think I fare well in both areas, you know, early on in my career, getting some attention as well as during that time with the Olympics.
2: Now, in high school, did you have any nicknames cooler than La Chespa Negra?
1: <laughs> no, La Chespa Negra was, was something that was, you know, kind of interesting. You know, you, you had to understand exactly what it was and not look at it in a irrational uh, tone towards it. Um, but it was fun. It was fun, man, knowing that they got a chance to know who I was and they was praising me and giving me that type of uh, you know, accolades and, and name me that type of little black spark. So um <laughs> I felt uh I felt uh, I felt honored. Well, you know they was calling me La Chespa Negra, the little black spark. The headlines was really giving me all sorts of praises. And, you know, they wasn't
2: accustomed to the guy my size out there playing. I recently had J.Y.D. on the podcast. And we we're talking about how the best nicknames are the ones that are earned and given to you. You know, you have a lot of uh, NBA players nowadays they are giving themselves nicknames, but there's something about when it's given to you where it's like, oh, it hits different. You know, I mean, that's
1: how a nicknames are supposed to start. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get yourself your own nickname. You mean? someone had to put that on you and, and, and portray what that feels or who you remind them of and that became who you are. So uh, I never known that I was going to be Mugsy. You know, before <laughs> I was Muggsy, I was Apple. You know, I had... Apple? Yeah, I was Apple before I was Muggsy. You know, mainly because I had a close, clear haircut like I do today. Um, and it was always shiny. And as a kid, <laughs> you know, because my hair didn't grow as much. And as a kid, you know, three and four years old, um, you know, people just, you know, family members used to call me Apple. So I had Apple until I started playing a game of basketball. Then all of a sudden Muggsy was the name that took over and became a uh, national household man. Why I gave Muggsy his nickname? He was tenacious on defense. I was about seven, eight years old. The way I played the game, I played play aggressive, always stealing the ball. Bumping you, pushing you. So I'm like, Muggsy? You out there mugging people.
2: And the name is stuck. Yeah, I don't know if Apple would have stuck as well as Muggsy, you know?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think Apple would have stuck. I don't <laughs> think that would have that it had the same
2: impact. Apple bugs. Apple bugs. <laughs> I mean, it depends. It depends. Apple B, Apple B. Apple. Wow. Okay. No, that actually that actually is pretty good now that you think about it. And then if you got drafted by say New York, oh that, I think that would have been that would have been poetic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been something, something to be kind of, you know, to behold.
2: Uh, speaking of you getting drafted, that was for a lot of NBA players. That's the culmination of all your hard work. When you were playing through high school and then eventually, you know, Wake Forest and then, you know, playing for the U.S. team, was there a moment where you knew, oh, I'm going to get drafted? Or was it with each level you're like, okay, I'm in high school. All right, I'm going to get to college ball. Oh, I'm in college ball. I'm going to get to this and they're just taking it stage by stage.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to take it step by step. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the word. That's the process, Um, high school, college. um, And then once after college, you know, you put yourself in a position where you possibly get drafted. You know, some people came out earlier than others. uh, Back in our era is not many came out as early. Probably the earliest they did was their junior year. Mm -hmm. um, MJ and so forth. So um, today's game, you know, people coming, going into it, high school and so forth. But you know, for me, you know, I kind of put it in stages as I got to high school and got to college and start having success in college and had success with the uh, with the Olympics. And then that was my senior year. Uh, going into my senior year, I felt like I put myself in a good position to possibly get drafted and had a good camp at Portsmouth um, and then got invited to Chicago. And that's the last impression that all of the NBAs and the scouts get an opportunity to see. So making a good impression there kind of, Boost my stock, then rose it up to the level to where my name was called 12 on 1987 for the Washington Bullets.
0: Washington Bullets select Tyrone Bogues. Oh. Tyrone Bogues, who's from the Washington area, Dunbar High School.
2: And the rest is history from there. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, with that said, after you got drafted, and the culmination of all all the hard work, and your dreams came true. Um, I have to ask, what's the significance of a certain townhouse in Columbia, Maryland?
1: What's the significance of a Columbia townhouse in Maryland? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first apartment that I had in terms of when you know I was playing with the Washington Bullets. Um, and by being there, um, gave me an opportunity to now put something very special in my mama's hands, with a set of keys. Um, for her to be able to, to move into her house. Um, so um, that 1987 opportunity, um, you know, having, moving into my town home and then being able to give my mom her house was more or less, was was the icing on the cake for me. You know, the hard work that she'd been doing all her life and the sacrifice, that felt like that was the right thing to do, to see show her my appreciation of her family, of what she created in terms of being able to, you know, make it whole for us and giving us the opportunity to, to believe that we could become what we want to be in life. The very first thing I bought, I built my mom a house. That was the very first thing I wanted to do. She was so excited. Oh, my goodness. You see the expression on her face now. was everything. That's what I dreamt. That's what I've been striving for the day I saw my daddy go to prison, all the sacrifices that she had to make just to provide for her kids. For me to be in that situation, to be able to handle those keys, Ain't words can't describe that. You know, it's mother. So for me, David, to, to do that, it meant the world to me.
2: Todd, don't you worry what they say about you. They don't know how big your heart is. They don't know your potential. If you want to play basketball, you go right out there and play basketball.
1: That's what she told me. I mean, <laughs> not knowing anything about the game. Um, She just knew her baby. She just knew her baby liked whatever it was that he was interested in. She didn't want to see him, you know, disgruntled. Didn't want to see no tears in his eyes. She wanted to see her little boy uh, just be joyful and and enjoy a kid like a kid should be, and not feel like he had to be, uh, you know, faced with any type of negativity that came along with a hobby that he's interested in.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, you started your career off with the Washington Bullets um, with another legendary player who's on the opposite end of the spectrum of you, uh, Manute Bull. Uh, Is it true that he chased you around practice because you blocked him?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We was at practice and we were playing one-on-one and uh, I blocked the shot. And then once I blocked the shot, he he chased me around the gym for quite a few until he tried, you know, of course he couldn't catch me. Moses. (laughs) That that made Moses' day right there. That Moses Malone. That made his day. Um, he had a big kick out of watching Manute chase me around the gym. It,
2: it's almost like he was chasing around with a spear, trying to hunt a lion. Which yeah. is that? Is that true? I I hear that he's told that story a lot, and he's told that story to you. But like,
1: yeah, he told that story quite a bit, and that's why I asked him what type of lion was it. Was it a lion with no teeth in their mouth? You know. Because- <laughs> You you talk about you going up there with a spear and uh, but we had a lot of fun just, you know, just communicating, catching up and getting to know one another Um, and and so grateful to see his son Bobo be an NBA now. So that's that's full circles for me,
2: obviously, as you can see, I'm a Raptors fan here, so I kind of want to fast forward, you know, to your short but incredible time in Toronto. Apparently Vince Carter had a Muggsy Bogues rule where if you don't see him on the court, pick the ball up because that means he's right behind you about to steal it. Is that true?
1: That's it. They know, it, you know, and, and that was something that was told to him and he knew that while he was in, in, uh, in Carolina uh, with coach Dean Smith and coach Dean Smith was uh, put that rule in effect. And, uh, and that was some things that, you know, that I'd kind of, you know, pride myself of in terms of being able to be that type of pest on defense. And, um. So if you don't see me, then, hey, you better pick it up because you never know where it might
2: be. How How did that feel, having a coach like Dean Smith, um, who historically has never changed his uh, defensive strategy or assignment, except for you? You're the one exception to that rule.
1: Well, you feel honored. I mean, you really do. I mean, knowing that you impacted the game in that regards and, um, and you had a certain strength that where, you know, he –
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So
1: he was good at that particular thing, and then he really honored that and gave his team the scholarly report to not do certain things, you know, because it, it won't be successful. So um, I, for me, I mean, I'm just so honored and thankful that, you know, he, praise me in that way.
2: And of course, not just Dean Smith, but ov- obviously your contemporaries as well. The fact that you strike the fear in your opponent's hearts, especially with someone like Shaquille O'Neal, who's like, yo, yo Muggsy scared the hell out of me.
0: You better keep that dribble yeah. down and Muggsy's going to get it and he takes it from him. I never said this before, but
2: Muggsy Bo scared me.
0: As soon as I put the ball on the ground,
1: he's like, one, I got to battle with Alonzo Mourner. And I gotta worry about this this little fast Superman-looking guy coming to steal the ball. Guys, giving you that type of uh, praise, you know, you feel honored because we play the game to 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 try to compete, to be the best you can be. And even though I know Shaquille Shaquille don't play against one another, but just the fact that you know he playing against your teammates and the impact that you have on the floor. Once a guy put that ball on the floor, knowing that you're gonna be around at any moment, you know that's fearful. Nobody like get the ball taken away from them. So uh, and I, I appreciate him, you know, giving me that type of uh, that type of praise.
2: Absolutely. Uh, coming back to the Raptors, uh, you were part of both the Hornets and the Raptors' first ever playoff appearances. It's a testament to just how iconic your impact was. But I have to put you on the spot, Mugs. I ha- I have to put you on the spot here. The 1992-93 Hornets and the 99-2000 Raptors are Ooh. both are both in their primes and they go up against each other in a seven-game series. You were on both of those teams, you and Del Curry. Who wins that series?
1: Oh, man, that's a tough one right there. <laughs> that's a tough one because, I mean, we got LJ and Zo. I mean, those are two positions that were very prominent. Um, uh, even though we, we had Oakley, Oakley and, and LJ would have probably canceled each other, but who would have played Zoe? Zo. Um, that would have been something. And then, of course, and on the other side, we had VC and T-Mac. T-Mac was still a little younger. Uh, VC was still getting there. Um, defensively, we had guys who could play. Wingate was a good defensive player. Johnny Newman was a good defensive player. And Kendall Gill was a good defensive player. So um, that event, been, and they was young. So that had been challenging. That had been challenging. I mean, you, you put me on the spot. I had never been put in a position like that. <laughs> You know, my two favorite teams, my two favorite teams. I mean, those are my two favorite teams right there because the bond that them both teams that had was nothing other, you know, and you don't get that rarely in the NBA team where you get that type of bond with all the players. So that was good, man. That was good.
2: (laughs) Can I ask you an even harder question? Yes. Which home crowd is louder well, you know,
1: we had 24,000, mm-hmm. you know, we had 24,000 and we set the rec- the attended rector for nine straight years mm-hmm. and uh, and they get really loud in there. And, but Toronto, boy, I tell you, we had that record scale, man, that, that thing was off the chart. I mean, and then you add on Jurassic Park. I mean, so <laughs> mm, you, mean, why are you making it tough for me? <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna have this much of a difficult asking questions about my two favorite teams and my two favorite cities. Uh, that's a good one, dude. That's another good one. That's another good one.
2: Hey, Muggs, what 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 can I say? Like yourself, you know, I'm just trying. I'm trying to be the best at what I do. With you, it's uh, you know, putting the ball on the floor. With me, it's putting the questions out into the into the camera sphere. You know.
1: but, and you putting them out there for me, too, boy. I don't know if I'm turning them over. Oh, oh, oh and I'm going to land it up. I don't know which one of the head was happening right now. <laughs> uh,
2: to go back to that, um, you know, 99-2000 uh, team, I, I I hate playing the game of what if. So I'm kind of asking this question for my own, uh, you know, personal satisfaction. Uh, do you still feel that had Vince and T-Mac stayed together, they would have been like a reincarnation of Jordan and Pippen?
1: Without a doubt. That, that's, that's, that what if is, definitely would have been fulfilled. Absolutely, I mean that's a no-brainer. Um, when g Mac left, you saw the proclamation of, you know, his his growth, and Vince was there. Uh, it's just a matter of the mindsets. They knew how to play with one another, so that wasn't a question. Um, it was just a matter of um, them both being in that same place mind- mentally, in terms of accepting one another um, and being able to share it. Because if that would have taken place, you would have seen the the Pippen Jordan too.
2: Oh, if I had asked you this question before 2019, I'd be like, oh, this breaks my heart. But you know, I think a championship helps leave that, uh leave that pain. Just a just a little bit, just a little.
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> you might have about three or four of them though. Uh, but you know, one <laughs> is one is hard to
2: get and you should be thankful that you got that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can always, uh, you can always be thankful for that to go off what you were saying earlier about how, uh, with the Hornets and the Raptors, uh, you know, both those teams had a special bond and, you know, it's those special bond that team chemistry, that's what makes teams successful. Obviously, you know, you have to play well, but that's what makes them play well on the basketball court. Uh, in terms of the Raptors, uh, do you have any fun stories from your time there in terms of like anything, uh, Team, team bonding or chemistry related?
1: Oh, man, we did so much. We joked a lot. I mean, we joked a lot. Uh, of course, uh, we played a lot of jokes with people clothes. You know, we was the type of guy that liked to come to work dressed up really nice, wear suits and so forth. And uh, Mo Pete was very young. He was a rookie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> he used to come wearing, you know, certain type of clothes. And we used to put it on display in the locker room. You know, while he's shooting and have comments about them, you know, about his clothes. And so we used to do a lot of that. Uh, I mean, of course, we joked around quite a bit in terms of why we on the plane and all that stuff, gambling, playing cards. Uh, one moment, one story was, <laughs> I don't even know if I should be telling this, uh, but we was having, a, we had a really good trip in Milwaukee. And then we was on our way back from, uh from on our way to the West Coast to Sacramento. And, you know, we had a few drinks on on the plane and so forth. Uh, nothing crazy. Uh, but once we landed and got to Sacramento, we still had a little drink left. Um, a little bottle and people didn't realize that we had one and somebody. I don't want to say no names, but of course, of course. somebody uh, found out we still had some a bottle left and decided that they gonna go up to that person, the person, and got the bottle from that person. And then once they got it from that person, he opened it up and the person who had the bottle had on a nice suit, a oh, really, no. really nice suit. And then it just so happened to wear he had some liquid on his suit. Oh no. You know, in terms of holding up on that bottle. I know, but you know it was all in, in good faith, all in good fun. It was a joking, jokingly way, but um, those are the things that happen, you know, with the team like ours um, when you travel. So uh, we had a lot of fun, man. Now, uh, again, you know, we had a real close group, real good uh, bunch. but Carter did a really good job of keeping that group together.
2: That's what goes to show how strong a bond is when you can joke around with your teammates like that. All right, Muggs, I'm gonna put you on the spot one more time here. We're gonna play Start Bench or Cut. And okay. we're going to do this for your iconic film and TV roles. So, start bench cut. Space Jam? You can't find
1: anything wrong with us. Hey, maybe there's nothing wrong with us. That's right, Bugs. It was just in our head. We're fine. It's just some psychosomatic deal or something to do with the moon or the
2: lime of the planet. Saturday Night Live? That's why I started my chain,
1: Charles Barkley Big Tall and Black Men Stores. Bugsy Bones, what are you doing here? Hey Charles, I love your big tall and black fashion, especially the free alterations. Free alterations?
2: And curb your enthusiasm.
1: Bitch, one of those? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. All of my starters. Oh, wow. I agree. I agree. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a star. Oh my goodness. Bass <laughs> Jam, curb your enthusiasm in Saturday Night Live. Ben, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh my goodness. Oh, 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 I got to start. Oh, I got me. I got to start Space Jam for sure. I got to start them all. I got to okay. start them all, Ben. Okay. And I got to cut, I got to cut, and I got to bench. Oh, okay, I'll bench, I'll bench Saturday Night Live. Oh, oh yeah.
2: no, I'll, I'll cut Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. And i bench Caribbean Enthusiasm. OK, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, honestly, that's probably what I would have ranked as well, because I remember when I first saw that Curb Your Enthusiasm clip for the first time, I don't think I have laughed so hard watching a specific clip. And that was all improv, right?
1: Yeah, all improv. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow. See, you're a man of many talents. Not only can you put it down on the basketball court, but you can put it down on the screen, too. That's just mm. oh
1: man, I had a lot of fun with those guys, Richard Lewis and. And, and and Larry David, they are two of the hilarious gentlemen that I've ever met. I mean, they had me laughing the entire time on the set.
2: Muggs, this has been great. I have only a couple more questions for you. What is the significance of January 9th at the View Sky Lounge in Charlotte?
1: Whoa, that was a very, very special night. I mean, all my friends, the late Moses Malone, uh, Dale Curry, all my loved ones just came out to celebrate me and my lovely wife, for me, it was a birthday. And then Slash, not knowing that I was getting married, remarried again. And uh, and it was such a surreal moment for me, uh, being able to uh to remarry my my, my kids' mom um after being divorced for 10 years. Um, you know, that's very rare to for one to just go back to, but God is good and uh Amen. He brought us back together and We was able to celebrate it with our loved ones and bring it in the right way. So that day would always continue to stand out for me um, because uh, another special uh, joyous moment took place.
2: I love that story because it's stories like that that are a testament to how how good God is. And, you know, everything happens for a reason and, you know, on his accord and in his plan. So that's incredible. That's incredible.
1: Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I had to I wanted to put this book out there, you know, because the first book that I did in the land of giants, you know, that was my, I guess, overcoming the beginning of something that no one thought that was possible. And uh, but this one, this memoir is more or less uh, of the substance, you know, the aftermath in terms of all the journey and the friendships, the relationships she was able to build, and talk about you know rekindling, remarrying my, my 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 ex-wife and, and so forth. So it's just another updated, and give the kids and the fans a little more insight. Uh, hopefully that you know life is not perfect, you know, but we all have our faith, we all have our uh, know dream still and want to be the best we can be you know going forward
2: mugs i knew i knew you had two of your own podcasts but like right when you brought up the book i was like man he's uh he's he's he beat me to it oh because <laughs> i haven't been this excited about a mugsy bogues book since a raptor's tale
1: really oh, oh. man that's, we had fun doing that raptor's tale too i oh. mean that, that was excited i mean and the the top, you know, with the championship, the whole story behind it, and for it to be able to put the crown, that was awesome. As a granddad, I love a good bedtime story. So I wrote one. Poor baby Raptor had no friends. And I realized it was pretty good. And the Raptor helped this team win it all.
0: Yay, go Raptor!
1: But, you know, for this, you know, it just, again, you know, it got my friends, you know, my guys, Stefan and Zoe doing the forward, and um you know my guys you know just sharing their moments with me and being able to, to talk about the impact that i had on their lives i mean that's touching you know that that that, that sends a, a whole new meaning for me in terms of knowing the impact that you had on the the people that you you know you, you, you call your friends
2: from a kid in the projects to the godfather of small ball, April 12th, 2022. Get your get your pre-orders in, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Please do. Please do. It's a good read. <laughs> you have fun with it. Um, it's for everyone. It's for the kids It's for the adults. I mean, you can take anything from it. So I uh, hope that you guys, you know, go out there and pick up a copy.
2: As the godfather of small ball, you know, the Vito Corleone of small ball, <laughs> who currently in the NBA would be the Michael Corleone? And why is it Fred Van Fleet?
1: Oh, you already said, huh, man? Why is it <laughs> Fred Van Because Fred, Fred is that guy. He's that, you know, where he started his career and where he is now. I mean, who cannot be uh, proud of his story? I mean, no one gave Fred a chance. No one believed that he would be the player that he is today. And here he is. He's the champion. Um, he's a great father. I mean, good, I mean, unbelievable teammate a guy that you want at your dinner table. I mean, he's a community activist. I mean, he's all that you can, you know, muster up to be. And I'm so happy and proud of him. Because uh, again, no one thought that Fred Van Fleet would be this type of impactful player in the NBA. And he's doing, he's showing them, you know, the opposite. And, um, And he is the Michael Corleone. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you were already headed that direction. Cause I was like, okay, I, I feel like he'll say Fred, but you know, let me just, let me just, let me just throw it in there just to, just to be sure. Uh, Muggsy this has been one of the most fun conversations I've ever had. I have one last question for you as a family man, you know, the Muggsy Bogues family foundation, you create a better quality of life for at-risk youth and families, whether it's you know access to food and basic necessities or opportunities for higher education, What's one specific moment through your foundation that you made you say to yourself, this is why we do this?
1: Well, several moments. One, when you see families pick up food and they thank you for that. And knowing that, you know, they don't have, shouldn't have to make a choice to put gas in their car or want to have food on the table. I mean, so when you see a family that's thankful and grateful for your generosity that's all it takes. And it's being able to see a kid to go to college and don't have to pay for it, you know, and have those type of resources afforded to him, You know, growing up in the city of Baltimore, I didn't have those type of resources. I didn't have those avenues. So being able to be in this position to get back to these kids and these families to help them live a better quality life, I'm just so thankful to be able to be doing it.
2: Yeah, the ability to pay it forward is so rewarding on so many levels. Uh, Mugsy, thank you so much for taking the time out today. Mugsy, my life from a kid in the projects to the government.
0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Godfather, small ball out April 12th, 2022. Get your pre-orders in, ladies and gentlemen. It's been Ben. It's been Muggsy Bogues. We'll see you in the next one.
1: Yes, sir.